Hi, this is Carolyn Cooper. Welcome to the Mental Health and Faith Podcast, where we offer encouragement for life in this complicated world. Please join the conversation by entering your questions, suggestions, and insights in the comments. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Carolyn Cooper, and thank you so much for joining me for the first official episode of the Mental Health and Faith podcast and YouTube program. Today, I want you to get to know me, and I want to get to know you. After I share a little bit and I tell some of my story, I'll be leaving you with several tips on how to live with a mental illness. What I need you to do is be a part of this conversation. Please leave your comments, suggestions, questions, insights. Uh, Let's be in conversation together on this topic. Before I tell my story, I would like to share a little on why I started this podcast. And I can say with confidence that it was by God's design. I did not grow up thinking that someday I wanted to be a podcaster. I did not grow up with a goal of leading a mental health ministry. And I definitely did not think when I was growing up that I would someday be an outspoken advocate for mental health awareness. That was not my plan. The reality is that during those growing up years, I experienced trauma. I endured some traumatic events during childhood. Now, I want to tell you that I am setting a boundary here. I have decided I am not revealing any specifics about the trauma that I experienced as a child. There are a couple of reasons for that. But number one, because it is my right, it is my choice to make on how much of my story to share with others. And you need to know that too. You always have a choice on how much to share. You always have a choice on who to share with. Now, if you're talking with your therapist, you do need to get it all out there. That's the only way you're going to work through things and heal. But for me, in this forum, I'm not going to reveal the the specifics of the traumatic events that happened during my childhood. I also believe that most people could say they had traumatic childhoods or that some trauma existed during their growing up years. Now, why do I say that? Is it because we all just grew up with really bad parents? Not at all. No way. What happened is that sin and brokenness entered the world when Eve and Adam took that first bite of the apple. That's when things started to go downhill. Sin, brokenness, we, we just are not always 100% good people. We're not always at the top of our game as parents, or as children, or siblings, or co-workers, or church friends. We're not perfect. We do fall down. We do make mistakes. That happens. And sometimes in the process, we are traumatized, or we are the ones causing the trauma to others. Now the good news, there is really good news here. There is a way to overcome, and his name is Jesus. It was because of how Jesus worked in my life that I have 
uh, gone through the transformation, that I have been restored, that I have been healed, uh, that I can safely say that I have this podcast because of the work Jesus did in my life. Now I'd like to tell you my story, but don't go anywhere because when I'm done, I'm going to try to be concise and stick to the points, but uh, I, I do definitely want to have time uh, when I'm done to share some tips for living with mental illness. But I hope that you will post your own ideas and suggestions and insights in the comments so that, that we can have a conversation here, that we can support each other and encourage each other. So please plan on doing that. I was born in a small town, grew up in a small town, lived there my entire life until I went to college. And my growing up years, I could say overall, were pretty good. My parents were together. I have three siblings, three sisters, and we all were very close in age and close in the kinds of activities and things that we did together. My parents always had a big garden. We went fishing a lot. We spent a lot of time with the extended family. Both of my parents grew up on farms, so that was always fun to go to the farm to see all the the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, You know, life was good, except for the secret things that everyone has in their lives. For me, a, a big part of it was that I was... I had some trauma going on, and I was very introverted. I was shy. I did not speak up for myself. I was felt really awkward in social situations. Um, I also, even though I did great in school, I graduated as the valedictorian of my high school class of 110 students, but I never felt like I deserved it, that I had actually earned it. There were other people, I thought, who were smarter than me that should have should have gotten the award. You know, I I just had some emotional issues already showing up, didn't really know how to deal with them, how to talk about them, Um, but they were there. They were already there. And when I went to college, I was determined to make this a fresh start. I was going to be more outgoing and friendlier, and I was going to be confident in myself. And I was. College was a wonderful experience for me. I met my husband uh, just a few months after I got to school. We knew right away we were meant to be together. But I, again, because of some of the emotional issues that I had, we had kind of a rocky couple of years before we we got engaged, um, mostly because I was convinced that it just wasn't going to work out. But I finally realized that God had brought us together. This was God's match. And this man would never leave me. And we will be celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary next year. So that has that has been true. So I met him. We got married. Uh, within a few years, after some fertility issues, we started our family. Things were going really well. Um, I only had a few mood swings here and there, nothing too dramatic. But then after my third child was born, I was depressed. Past the baby blues, 
that you typically experience in the first uh, six weeks or so after having a baby. I talked to my doctor. She would say, you have three children under the age of five. Just get help. Take a break. Let somebody else do the work. And I tried, but I knew there was something, something more. It wasn't just that I was exhausted from taking care of my children. There was something more. I did not feel right. Well, she got tired of me calling about every week trying to get help. And she finally told me, listen, there is a seminar for medical professionals on this new diagnosis called postpartum depression. This was back in 1992. It had not been an established diagnosis at all at this point. I went because my doctor didn't want to go herself. She didn't believe that anything was really wrong with me. But when I was there, I, I sat in the back, kind of in the back of the room. The doctors and nurses were up front. And as the presenter started going through this, uh, the symptoms and this diagnosis that they were trying to get on the books, I guess you could say, I started crying because they were telling about my life, all of my symptoms, all of my depression and, and the anxiousness, the fears, all of the things that I was feeling as a someone who was going through postpartum depression, they were describing it. I went back to my doctor. I was able to get some medication. I had, I went to therapy for a little bit and, you know, over that next year, it ran its course and things were much better. Now, looking back that year that I was in treatment for postpartum depression, that could have been the, the beginning of my recovery journey. Unfortunately, if it's going to be another 10 years, before I got the help I needed. At that time, when, it, when the postpartum had run its course, I stopped the medication, I stopped going to therapy, and I was great. Or so I thought, and so I pretended. But no one during that year, that I could remember anyway, said, do you think that there could be other issues besides the postpartum depression? Have you had any experiences in your life that we should explore and, and work through while, while you're here, while we're doing this? Um, no one did that. And nowadays, if you have heard the term trauma-informed care, you know that it is essential for medical personnel to approach medical treatments, just in a broad sense, with... Um, with the intent of exploring if someone has some kind of a trauma that they need to work through. Rather than having some of those issues addressed at that time, they sat under the, under the radar. When you are denying that you have a problem, it's easy to pretend that it doesn't even exist. And so in my mind, I knew I was a moody person, moody, have you ever been called moody? I knew I was, um, but I didn't want to go so far as to say I had a mental illness. I knew that I had some relationship challenges. 
I knew that there were other things in my life that, uh, you know, bothered me, that I, that I struggled with. But I didn't want to admit that I'd had any kind of trauma in childhood. Finally, after years of neglecting my mental health and years of, of getting worse and worse as far as my mood swings went, um, I ended up spending several months in bed over a particular summer. This was in the summer of 2002. Now, my husband did not know what to do. My children did not know what to do. They felt helpless. They suffered as much as I did. And that is important for you to remember as someone, if you are someone who lives with a mental illness, that your family and friends, your loved ones, they really are struggling with you. They need their own kind of support and encouragement and help because, you know, your life impacts them just like theirs impacts you. So um, anyway, I, I spent probably a couple of months mostly in my bedroom. One day, totally out of the blue, no special day at all, I felt the presence of God that I had not felt for a long time. Now, I became a Christian when I was a child. And so for all these years, in addition to pretending I had no problems, I was able to stay home with my children most of the time. I worked part-time occasionally. I had my own business for a while. I was very involved in my children's lives and school and their music activities and field trips and all of those kinds of things. And I served in my church in music ministry. And, you know, life was good. We seemed like the all-American Christian family. No one knew what was going on inside my house. No one knew. So on this particular day, it was like God pushed me out of the bed and onto my knees and said, Carolyn, it's time to change. Something has to change. And I agreed. So I got to the therapy uh, office because I actually was attempting to go to therapy, but would miss most of the time. I may have even had a prescription uh, for antidepressants, but I wasn't taking them. I was not taking care of myself. I got to the office and my therapist recommended that I enter a 10-day outpatient treatment program at a psychiatric hospital. That experience saved my life. But it saved my life not because of the things that I learned and just the book knowledge and the, the tools and things that I learned. That was essential. But it saved my life because I brought the Lord with me into that environment. It was through him that I believe I I was healed of the PTSD symptoms, the post-traumatic stress disorder that I had been suffering from for years. Um, I believe God has healed me. I don't have any of those kinds of symptoms at all anymore. Uh, God has not healed me of having a mental illness, and that's okay because he's given me the strength to um, live with it. And which is one reason I do want to give you some tips when I'm done uh, sharing my story here in just a minute. It was amazing. I went through those 10 days 
And, oh, and I, one more quick story about during that time. You know, like I said, nobody knew what was going inside, going on inside of my house. That, it, that included some of my closest loved ones. One day, a few days into my treatment, I got home and I walked in and my oldest son said, hey, mom, your dad called. I said, oh, what'd you tell him? He said, well, I said you were still at the psychiatric hospital and that you'd call him back. I went cold and my stomach dropped because, as I told my son, why did you tell him? He said, he's your dad. I thought he would know. Reality was I hadn't told my own parents that I was going to treatment at a psychiatric hospital. Wow. That's not uncommon, by the way. Of course, I called and talked and, and you know, we, we worked things out, which was really a blessing that that had happened. But that treatment really was, with, with the power of the Lord to help me persevere through it, it really did change my life. One of the things that I did during my recovery time uh, was I started writing. Now, I've always been a writer. I like to journal. I love doing stories and things like that. And one of my journals that I used in my recovery, I actually ended up a few years later turning it into a, a workbook for depression. It's called In This Corner, Battling Depression from Inside the Ring. And it uses the analogy of a boxing match to teach about how to deal with depression, or it can be applied to other mental illness as well. Um, but it was, a, it was a great experience to write that book, and I love being able to share that workbook with others. Um, but my life during that recovery time was like a boxing match. I felt like I was under attack by my illness, by the PTSD, by Satan, by the world, by my own sense of shame and guilt. I was just under attack. It was a boxing match. I was fighting my way out. And the Lord God helped me throw that last punch. So I have been in recovery ever since. I have been learning to live with my mental illness ever since. And I will share that the journey continues. I'm not 100% better. I still have mood swings. I still occasionally get really anxious. I still get depressed. I, I still have times where I just don't want to get up and do anything. And that's life with a mental illness. Even with the medication I take, therapy, trying to ha have a lifestyle that lends itself to wellness, I still struggle occasionally. And that's, that's okay. It really is okay. Because life is a journey. And the important thing is to get up and to keep going. And that's my story. For the sake of time, I think I'm only going to share three tips today. But these are really important. And whether or not you are a person living with a mental illness, I think these are just three really good practices for a healthy life in general. The first one is to be gracious to yourself. Now, what do I mean by that? Think of our loving God. 
The Bible says that if we confess our sins and repent and turn from it, that God will forgive us. And he does. And then he forgets about it. I'm the one that keeps having those behaviors and words and things that I've, I've done to maybe hurt someone else. I'm the one that keeps those rolling around in my head. That's not healthy for me or anyone, really, because it makes me cranky. <laughs> but, you know, be gracious to yourself. Be willing to forgive yourself if you have done something or said something that that can be considered a sin. Now, I want to be very, very careful here. I am not saying someone who lives with a mental illness is always going to struggle with sin. Mental illness and sin are not the same thing at all. But our behavior, our attitude, the things we do and say, those are the things that can become a sin if they are things that separate us from the Lord, that are not pleasing to him, that are harmful to other people. Whether we have a mental illness or not, we have to acknowledge and take responsibility for our own actions. And when we do, we can let it go. We can say, okay, it happened. I am contrite. I am repentant. I know I'm forgiven, and I'm just going to move forward. Be gracious to yourself. Tip number two is to make wellness a priority. That means every single day you should be taking a little bit of an inventory of yourself. How are you feeling? What are you? Uh, what is going through your mind? What thoughts are you dealing with? Um, where are you making time for a break, for a wellness break, for a fun activity just to have fun? You have to be intentional about your wellness. You have to be intentional about your mental health because in this world, it gets so busy. We have so many directions we want to go. We want to impress the boss. We want to be the best mom or dad. We want to... Uh, just wow everybody at church with our skill and our, our piousness. You know, we put a lot of expectations on ourselves at times. Wellness has to be a priority. Taking care of your mental, physical, and spiritual health is so important. Make it a priority. If it means, like, I'm just going to be honest, today, I work from home. I, I work part-time outside of the home, outside of, of doing this. Um, and I just was not feeling quite up to going to the office today. Now, I could probably say that most days, but uh, I just, I was not feeling quite right. And so I chose to stay home and work from home so that I could be responsible for the work that I needed to do but also make sure that I was doing what was healthy for me. It's important to make those kinds of decisions, decisions that are good for you and your mental health. So that's two. So we have be gracious to yourself and be intentional about your wellness. The third thing is to surround yourself with support. You do not have to go on this journey alone. You do not. 
there are people in this world who understand what you are going through and what you have been through. There are people in this world who have been trained specifically to help you. Uh, there are people who, who will come alongside you to bear your burdens with you, to laugh with you and cry with you, to hold your hand, to just sit quietly with you. You can find those people. And if you have trouble doing that, please reach out to me and I will see if I can help you find a support group or an organization that can give you the support that you need. It is crucial to surround yourself with support. So those are the three tips I'm going to leave with, with you today to be gracious to yourself, to make wellness a priority, and to surround yourself with the support you need for this journey. I'd like to close today with a scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It's a lot of counselors and people who are in service-oriented ministries draw on this passage, and I'm just like them. I love it. Please listen very carefully. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, God comforted me. God walked through this journey with me and continues to walk with me. So I, I want to walk with you. I want to share his comfort with you. In fact, I have adopted a mission statement. It is that I want to offer encouragement for life in this complicated world. And that is achieved by emphasizing the hope, transformation, and victory that we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, next week, uh, I plan in the next couple of weeks, I plan on sharing some tips for how to encourage a depressed friend. You won't want to miss it. I hope you will please subscribe and share this podcast, this YouTube program with others. Again, thank you so much for being here. God bless. Thank you for joining us here at the Mental Health and Faith podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I really do look forward to hearing from you. For more information, check out my website at www.ngodscorner.org. Thank you.